When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be here with all of you uh, with another great show this week, profiling some amazing women. And joining me in just a moment will be Sue Shea. Sue is the president and co-founder, I'm sorry, founder of Dancing with the Students, which is a nonprofit here in the Philadelphia area, teaching boys and girls how to ballroom dance. Um, And we're going to be learning all about what else they learn from, from doing the dancing. It's a lot more than ballroom dance. Later in the show, you'll hear from Sherry Marson, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. And Sherry's going to be joined by uh, Becky Gabriel. Becky is the owner and co-founder of the Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club. Um, It's a really neat new club that was formed during COVID um, by two couples that are friends. And uh, we're going to be learning about what they're doing and how it's expanded. As always, if you're new to the show and looking for more information, visit our website at womentowatch.net. So now I'm very honored and excited to have Sue Shea with us this week. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. Believe me, it's my honor. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. And we have to give a shout out. Um, oh, my gosh. Who who, who connected us? Um, um, Mikey Hogue. There Mikey you go. Mikey Hogue. Yes, yes, yes. She was uh, she was a wonderful guest on the show, doing great work as well. Um, listen, I wanted to start with um, your sharing a little bit about the community you grew up in in Allentown for people that are not from the Philadelphia area. Uh, I was born in New York City, but then moved to Allentown as a little girl and grew up there. And it was it was a wonderful, very simple childhood. Um, I adored my parents. 
I had a sister who was less than a year younger than me and a brother six years younger than me. Um, sadly, I lost my sister to diabetic complications, but, um, but I had a great childhood with great role models in my parents. And, uh, and it was, it was, um, they, they really <clears throat> set the, set the formation for me and foundation for, um, what it's like to be a good human being and give back and, and to give and expect nothing in return. So I, I would like to know what kind, you have really dedicated your entire life and professional career to helping young people. And I, I'm curious what you were involved with as a young person yourself, as far as activities, athletics, music, what were your interests then? I was, I was, uh, I was a very proud Brownie and Girl Scout. I was, um, I was always the the one in my class that would collect the money for the nuns feast day i was i was always the organizer and and i guess being the oldest in my family i took that role on um i i was always the intramural athletic uh, and i was always the three <laughs> and i would apologize before i would call a foul on basketball which was not the right thing to do but it was just me um but I did love tennis and I did uh, play on tennis teams and uh, I loved, I loved doubles. I, I loved partners. I played in many different States. So tennis filled a, a great part of my life athletically. You know, one of the things I always find interesting is those um, events that happen in our life that perhaps is not a major monumental moment, but they stick with us forever. And you shared a story with me about your mom and the two of you were driving together and she heard something on the radio. I love that story. Can you share it? Thank you. I love that story too. So I was a little girl in the back seat with my brother and my sister in a country squire station wagon. And I am sure none of us were wearing seatbelts back then in Allentown. Right. And my mom was listening to the radio and my mother had O negative blood, which is the rarest blood there is. And she heard on the radio at an AM station that there was a woman that was at the hospital and needed O negative blood. She needed a donation. And my mother found a phone booth back then, pulled off the road and said to me, watch your brother and your sister. And she called the radio station on the phone booth and she ended up donating blood to a total stranger. And I remember being in the back of the seat scared with my brother and my sister alone in the car watching my mother at this phone booth but then I remember thinking she is donating blood to a total stranger and she went to the hospital she did it and um you know she set up the appointment and did it uh, the next day and that stayed with me forever that she heard somebody in need she acted on it and and she she did it she made a difference that woman lived because my mother gave her blood. And in the same respect, I remember being a little girl and my father receiving thank you notes in the mail. And my mother would say, what is that? And he'd say, well, I helped somebody do something. It's no, no big deal. And again, as a little girl, I remember thinking he helped somebody and he's not even taking credit for it. And that resonated with me and that stayed with me forever. 
so did they talk to you about, you know, these these acts of, of service or, or helping others or, or were you just witnessing it and it was becoming a part of who you are? So incredibly, when they were young, they had read a book called The Magnificent Obsession, and it was all about doing good deeds. And in the book, I get choked up in the book, they would say, don't use it up because you would do a good deed. And just don't use up the goodness. So whenever there would be something to be done or a good deed or something that should be done and I would do it, my parents would say, I'm proud of you, but don't use it up. So it was just the way we were raised to do a good deed and don't expect accolades for it. You do it because it's right. And to quote the magnificent obsession, don't use it up. Wow. I've never heard that. And that it's a wonderful reminder. So, you know, just continue to have that be a part of who you are your entire life. Yeah. It's a very, very old book. And it's, I think the movie was made with Rock Hudson years ago, but it's, um, it stayed with me forever. You know, you're a mother yourself. Have you shared that book with your boys? I have, I have. And they are, I am so proud of both of them. Um, my one son, uh, was a big brother and three of his little brothers were groomsmen in his wedding. And my other son uh, sponsored a child at the Jesus school. And he, to this day, refers to her as a sister. So both of my sons um, do very good, quiet deeds. Some I knew about, some I don't know about. That's right. I'm sure they're getting thank you notes that you don't know about. That's a beautiful way to put it, Sue. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so you went off to school and, and you studied education? I did. So my little hiccup before that is my sweet, wonderful father, who was brilliant, also had many job opportunities. And um, he always did what was best for the family and best for his career. So part of my journey is I went to three high schools in three years. And right. that was very difficult. <laughs> very, very tough. Oh, my gosh. But- Again, I say, okay, it made me who I am. And it was actually high school number three who I went to a guidance counselor who didn't know me at all and said, what do I do? You know, like the whole thing with your senior year is um, find a teacher that knows you really well. Well, I had been to three high schools in three years. So I was writing to old high schools about my new recommendation. It was very, very difficult, but it was high school number three that said, why don't you try Boston College? And I ended up going to Boston College, and truly, it is the gift that keeps on giving for me. Um, I had a fabulous education. I am now a proud trustee um, at the university, but I had a fabulous education, double major in elementary and special education, and um, really got a job when nobody got a job. I um, got my an unbelievable job that I loved in inner city Baltimore. And um, had many experiences in five different states, urban and rural. I taught in Virginia where I had to wait for a cow to cross the street before I could get to my class. <laughs> um, I taught in, in, in the suburbs, in the cities. It, it Just fabulous, fabulous different experiences in my teaching career. Always with children with learning differences. Yes. What drew you to that? I, again, I just loved um, reading is the name of the game. And I loved teaching reading and te- and I acknowledge that children have different um, inputs and outputs. 
I am the kind of person that when I'm in a lecture, I'm writing down notes religiously. I am a visual person. I have friends that sit in a lecture with their arms crossed and they listen and that's how they learn. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that and saw that in my classes. So I thought if I find the right input and output, I can teach anybody to read. And, and I would always start by holding up a book saying, repeat after me, um, you know, if I can read, I have power, reading is power. And, and that's what I wanted all of my students to know. And I have taught kindergarten through eighth grade. And I started many reading clubs and, and reading groups and after school reading groups. But um, when students would say, um, I hate reading, I would say, you just haven't found the right book. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. And, and when we come back, I'm going to have you share um, a story, an experience that happened to your son, a very devastating story that really was uh, an aha moment for you, an awakening. Stay with us. You're watching Women to Watch, and we'll be back with Suche. Now the Women to Watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving you the tools and resources you need to succeed financially. While there are several components to your financial health, your credit score, and building it, maintaining it, or repairing it should be at the top of your list. Credit is key to accomplishing your goals and dreams, like buying a home or car, borrowing money to continue your education, or embarking on your journey of independence. When you have a strong credit score, the possibilities are endless. If you are just starting out or don't have credit in your name yet, here is something to consider. Next time you're at a retail store you frequent, apply for a store credit card. Make sure you're aware of all the details, like monthly payment due date and interest rate. Put a small balance on this credit card and pay it off in full every month. Just like that, you're starting to build credit. Have credit but trying to improve it? Limit how often you apply for new accounts and aim to keep your credit utilization or the portion of credit available to you that you're using under 30%. Most importantly, know what's working against you and what factors are weighing your score down. Once you've built your credit, strive to maintain the highest score you can. A score of 700 and above shows lenders that you're a low-risk customer to loan money to and at a competitive interest rate too. Remember, a strong credit score is your opportunity to get ahead and be financially independent. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. On behalf of Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and our newest Watch Team contributor, here's some information you may need to know about women in science. What excites me is at CHOP, we are one of the leading children's hospitals in the world, and we have one of the very few research institutes totally dedicated to children. And with the talent that we have here, our sense of mission with research as our North Star, I think we have the opportunity to transform the medical care we deliver to children. I think we're on the cusp of many discoveries. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm Sue Rocco and I'm joined by Sue Shea this week. And, and Sue is the president and founder of Dancing with the Students, which is a take on Dancing with the Stars. Um, and just before the break, I mentioned uh, something that happened to your son, which this is one of those events that 
I'm sure changed not only his life, but your life and everyone that knew him. So um, share with our viewers what happened to your son when he went off to Fairfield um, as a student and an athlete. Um, this is a story with a horrific beginning and and we'll come to see a, a, a beautiful ending. But, um, you know, my son went to Fairfield, um, a beautiful university and loved it adored his college roommate, uh, Mark Fisher, a six foot four, very handsome boy. Um, just the kind of young man that would stand up when you walked into the room, just amazing. And um, their sophomore year, it was Columbus Day weekend and Mark and a group of boys went to New York City to go to a, a party. My son was not there. And um, Mark met a pretty girl, which he always did, left that party, went to another one, which he always did. And there were gang members at this other party. And they thought that they would be leveled to a higher level of the gang if they committed a murder. So when he went to the ATM, senselessly and horrifically, they shot him five times and wrapped him in a blanket and dumped him. And it was... It was a nightmare, a nightmare, and a nightmare for the Fisher family, um, a nightmare for my son to go back to his empty dorm room. It was, it was, we were, we had no tools in our toolbox. These boys were 19 and uh, we had never had a senseless violent act like this happen to us. So, um, so, I mean, I'm still incredibly close to Mark's mom to this day. And uh, we talk regularly. She's family to me and the Fishers are family, but it is something you never get over. So that whole year in the Jesuit way, whereas as I was educated at BC, you reflect. And I was thinking, what am I doing? How am I doing it? I was in my 15th year of teaching. I was in my seventh year at this job and it was five minutes from my home. I was thinking, am I really making a difference? Am I, is there more that I could do? And then um, ironically, my father golfed with Reverend Jean Bay from the Bryn Mawr Presbyterian Church. And he said, I support this school in Philadelphia. I, you know, and it's Catholic and not, I don't, I'm not even Catholic. He said, you should check it out. So my father told me about it. And on my spring break from, from the school I was teaching at, I went down and looked at this school and I fell in love with it from the minute I walked into the office. Um, there was this wonderful um, secretary there and a little, uh, a little boy walked in and said, I ain't got no bus money. And the secretary said, as a student of the Jesus school, you'll speak to me in correct English. And she said, and the little boy said, I don't have any bus money. And she opened up her drawer, gave him money and said, you're going to need this and give my love to your aunt and uncle. And I was just sitting there waiting to talk to the principal. And I walked around the desk to her and I said, I love the way you handled that. And she didn't know me from Adam. And, and she said, these are my babies. I live across the street. I would do anything for them. And I sat back down and I thought, I want to be a part of this. I have got to be a part of this. 
So um, they have a great model at the Jesu School with a principal and a president. And the president does 100% of the fundraising. The principal does 100% of the academics. The president at the time wasn't even Catholic. The principal was a nun. And I just thought, this is perfect. So um, uh, this was this was April. So in June, I... In what, in what year, Sue? What year uh, was that? This would have been 2004. Okay. So I quit my school. I quit my job in June. I told my principal I was, that it was going to, this was it. And uh, he actually said I was the best special ed teacher he ever had, which I love to hear, but it was like, I'm, I'm done. And, um, and then in August, I started at JZU as a board member and as a volunteer in their resource room and got to use all of my expertise and experience from where I had been to say to them, how about if we try this? How about if we do that? And um, and we actually, um, I actually endowed, our family endowed the resource room in my sister's name. So it's the oh, Debbie Martinelli yeah. Resource Room. Yeah. Isn't it true that they wanted you to sit on the board yes. and you said, okay, but I really need to be in the classroom with the kids. I I, I totally did. Thank you for reminding me because to my core, I'm a teacher and to my core, my even at Boston College, I said, my experience has to be more than just going to meetings. So yeah. I have a lot of, a lot of interactions and a lot of experiences with students at BC. And I have a lot of experience. And, you know, I just wanted to be in the classroom at JSU also and, um, and work with those children. And I taught with an, I, I volunteered with an amazing senior teacher, um, Liz Mooney. And she would say to me, uh, I need help with creative writing. And I would say, I, I have a great thing. I said, we'll, we'll use a hamburger and the bun will be the introduction. And then the bottom bun will be the closing. And then the, the, you know, the, the hamburger and the, the tomatoes and the, is all the supporting details. So, so she would say, go for it. So, um, so Liz not only let me be a volunteer, but sometimes she'd let me take the lead and, and teach a, a mini class. So it was, a total, total win-win. You know, when I think about your your life, Sue, um, I think we all have a calling and, and sometimes it's very hard to figure out what that is. And you're clearly a teacher and you've stayed doing that for, for most of your life. Do you feel as though you have and you are living your calling? You know, I am. And I'm also, um, I'm also a great example to to young women and uh, gentlemen that I come in contact with, because I'll say to them, when you look at me, do you say, oh, ballroom dancing? And, you know, we all laugh like there's there's no way I'm I'm five foot three. And, and you know, you like, <laughs> you know, but um, but that's where my journey has taken me. Um, and so I let them know that, you know, life is not a straight line. And right. sometimes yes. you're on that straight line and there is a landmine that goes off mm -hmm. and you, whether you like it or not, your road has changed. So let's talk about how the ballroom dancing came to be. I'm sure everyone is wondering where in the world did that come from? So I was chairman of the education committee and um, at one meeting, sister Ellen, the principal said, 
we have such talented children and we're not doing enough in the arts. So she said, can you work on that? So I thought, okay. So I did some exploring, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, and sure enough, the movie Mad Hot Ballroom came out. And after 9-11, uh, New York City started a ballroom dancing program. So I saw the movie once and then I saw it the next day and brought my son and I, I went with the pad and paper and took notes on it. And I went back to the education committee and said, how about if we do ballroom dancing? If they do it in New York, why can't we do it in Philadelphia? And doing it, doing it with children in New York? Yes, yes, they yes. Were. Okay. Fifth, fifth grade. They did okay. fifth grade. They targeted wow. fifth grade. So I, so Sister Ellen said, go for it. Yes. <laughs> Except for the teeny tiny problem. I knew nothing about ballroom dancing. Nothing. <laughs> Well, that's not a problem. <laughs> you figure that out. So I did a lot of, um, I did research. I had a folder. So I went to Arthur Murray Dance Studio in Paoli. And I uh, had a folder. And there was 10 teachers in the room. And I just went up to this woman I didn't know at all. And she is six feet tall. So it was kind of funny that I, you know, I approached her, but I said, um, Samantha Redding, I said, I, I have an idea. I said, it's, it's my dream. I want to bring ballroom dancing to inner city underserved areas. And she said, um, I'd love to do that. And I said, yeah, but you have to do it in the city. And she said, you don't understand. I live in Philadelphia. I come out here to work. And I was oh. like, not wow. This. Not this. What, what was it about ballroom dancing that you thought would connect with the kids? Because typically that's a very grown up thing to do. What, why did so, you think that would work? So keeping in mind the teacher in me and keeping in mind my theory of be the best you can be, ballroom dancing made you stand up tall, made you have eye contact. And I always tell my students life is about making the other person feel special. You know, that's that's just the way it is. And all of those things come through in dance. And we have, I'm jumping ahead, but we have what we call the ritual. Uh, the leader extends their left hand, the, the follower accepts with a smile, and then they go into dance position. And at the end of every dance, uh, the leader twirls the follower, and then they look at each other, bow, and say thank you with a smile. So it's all about um, standing tall, good eye contact. Um, it's funny, sometimes, and again, I'm telling you all the happily ever afters. Sometimes um, when we start the first day of dance, I get this. So more I, from the boys or, or not? No, no, no. Oh, no. no. Our ladies too. And <laughs> I, um, so I will go up to them and I will say, this is closed. This is open. If I went into my principal and I approached him like this, he's not going to listen to me. But if I go like this, he's going to listen to me. So then the arms unclosed and then they're open. So um, one time, um, and again, I have a million stories, but um, I, I had one high school boy at Furness High School that was not buying this on day one. So I said, before I dance with you, let me get to know you. So I pulled him away from the group and we just sat and talked 
And he poured his heart out and he had a very tough life. But I acknowledge that. I found out what his dreams were. Um, he wanted to make toys. I ended up, I'm, I'm really yeah. fast forwarding, but I ended up contacting Lego and having Lego write a letter addressed to him so that he would get a letter from Lego saying, so I just, again, it's so much more than dance, but I really wanted to acknowledge all the different children and young adults where they were at that time and have dance be one part of their new life now. Well, I think it, to go back a little bit, you know, from the story and starting, right. which is always the hardest part, right? Because this is a nonprofit and, you know, you need resources and funds. Um, but I, I want you to talk about when you ask the kids what they learned after the first class, this really solidified why it's more than dance. So Sam and I taught this. So we did nine weeks of instruction, waltz, tango, merengue, and swing. And swing is my favorite. Um, and then the 10th week was the grand finale. So I said to Sister Ellen and the, the custodian, could you please put some chairs for the parents? And they said, nobody will come. Well, so many people came. The gym was packed. And um, we gave trophies for best waltz, tango, merengue, and swing, and best overall dancer, and then um, a best overall couple. And then the teacher and me, I said, well, what did you learn? And this 10-year-old boy, because we, we targeted fifth grade just the same way that Mad Hot Ballroom did, that New York did. This fifth grade boy said, um, I learned respect for women. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away. So then I said, what else did you learn? And this little girl said, I have more confidence. And I said, one more. And the third person said, if somebody asks me how to waltz, I'll know what to do. So when they all left, I said to Sam, dance was the third thing. Like, this is unbelievable. We're on to something. I so appreciate you coming on the show, Sue, to tell your story. And we'll be sharing the information on the website with our viewers. Thank you more than I can say, Sue. I appreciate it so very much. Stay with us. And Sherry Morrison, our Lifestyle Watch contributor, will be back with Becky Gabriel, the owner and co-founder of the Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club. We'll be right back. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome to the lifestyle segment of Women to Watch. Today our guest is Becky Gabriel, owner and co-founder of the Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club. Welcome to the show, Becky. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. I'm a big pickleball fan. I don't play yet, but I will. <laughs> it's easy to get addicted. <laughs> I bet. Before we get into how the, and I'm going to refer to it as the MBPC, Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club, came about, Becky, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm actually not from the East Coast originally. I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, went to college and uh, worked in L.A. and then migrated east over the time. Met my husband actually on a project in Cincinnati. We both ended up here. We've been here for about 28 years. Love Bucks County. Um, and, you know, I, I had a mix of corporate life and being home with my children both. Um, and recently in the last couple of years, found ourselves empty nest and retired. Um, and that's what has begun this journey. That's great. 
So clearly, uh, as you were entering college and all, there was no major or plan as you started your career to be queen of pickleball in the Northeast. Um, you have three yep. partners now, and you opened the Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club in February of this year. How did that, tell us how that all came about. So it came about, you know, first off, I was never a tennis player, a racket sport player at all. I, you know, played ping pong. So, I, you know, I had heard about pickleball. Um, somebody had mentioned it. I tried it out. Um, I had learned it at the shore. It kind of started getting popular at the shore. This is during the pandemic. But what really happened was we had these great neighbors move in across the street, Sharon and Bob Volsky. And my husband, Frank, and I met them um, one evening uh, playing cornhole outside. And within the next day, we had both mentioned that we had started pickleball and we striped a court in our cul-de-sac. So we striped a court and rolled out the, uh, the you know, the um, net in our portable net. And, you know, during the pandemic, as we all were, we're stuck inside looking for something to do. We are out there now every single day. All of a sudden, every day we're out there for hours playing pickleball. Our neighbors would be walking by watching us play pickleball. We even started to try and stripe a second court in the cul-de-sac. And one of our neighbors told us it wasn't a gym, so we weren't allowed to do that. So, <laughs> but we were out there every day. And then, and then weather set in. And so I'm out there one day with like a ski glove and I'm chipping the ice off of the pavement and I'm pondering like, can I actually hold the paddle with this big down glove? So, um, you know, we started kind of researching around, were there any indoor pickleball clubs? And there, there was one a little further away and kind of not an ideal situation for us. Um, and we tried that a couple times and my neighbors and I, we, we went to dinner one night, just again, just barely knowing the Volskis. And both of us said we had both been pondering, like, maybe we should open a club. So I joke, I went to sleep and the next morning I wake up and Sharon had a full bone business plan. But, um, we, we spent time together, um, talking through and, and seeing if it seemed viable. We all came from corporate backgrounds. We all had sort of skills in different areas. Um, and it seemed to be really working well. And I sort of pulled us all back in and did a pause and said, let's just, you know, why are, why are we doing this? Right. Let's make sure we're all just recently retired. We're all empty nests. Like let's make sure that we're all doing this for the right reasons and the same reasons. And we were, and for us, it was about building a community. We just, all of us now, we, we did our jobs where we want to just build a community and benefit the community. And so we opened Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club in February and it's boomed. It's, it's just boomed. It's been great. That's fantastic. What a hilarious story. I know because I would take little walks around my neighborhood during COVID and there was a family across the way that did the same thing. They set up a pickleball court in their driveway and, and they would be out there with their kids until all hours. It was, you know, they had the spotlights on at the end of the garage so they could play at night. It was really <laughs> great. There were times I was tempted to put the car with the lights on and as it got evening, but <laughs> I, I understand I've gone through a couple of things in my life where that was like the scenario It's like, okay, let's figure out how we can do this at night uh, legally. Pickleball has just, it's absolutely skyrocketed in popularity, primarily during COVID. Um, I never heard of it until two years ago and read it was started by two dads in 1965. So I, I, I can't believe it's taken this long to really catch on. 
I guess it took something like COVID to keep everybody home and have something that was able to be set up at home that didn't require a whole lot of space. And they came home from golf and their kids, they had a home on Bainbridge Island in Washington State. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. It's just across the, the sound from um, Seattle. And they came up from golf. Their kids were bored. And, uh, you know, they're like, what are we supposed to do? And their dad said, well, when I was growing up, we would make up games. And the one kid was kind of a smart aleck. And he's like, well, why don't you make up a game for us? So the two dads made up pickleball. And the mother named it after uh, the extra crewmen on uh, rowing. It was the pickle boat. And that's all the leftovers from the teams who aren't <laughs> the first choices. So that's how they came up with pickleball. But I think the name is marketing genius. I mean, who doesn't hear that name pickleball for the first time and, and not ask, what is pickleball? It's, it's a crazy name and the curiosity takes the best of you. Um, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, I need to learn more about it. So now you have, I have gone off on a tangent. Sorry about that. <laughs> now you have, you have a 32,000 square foot facility with nine indoor pickleball courts, which is the largest facility in the Northeast United States. You have members and you're open to the public seven days a week. Please tell us a little bit about some of your programs. So we, uh, 26,000 of that square footage is dedicated towards pickleball. We've got nine, as you mentioned, nine indoor courts and we are the largest indoor pickleball court uh, facility in the Northeast. And as I mentioned earlier, our focus was about creating community. And so one of the things that we've got, that we're, hope, we're open about 112 hours a week and um, one of the big pieces of our uh, whole programming was around socials, what we call socials. Like, I don't want to have to worry about having three other friends to come in and play with. So we set up these socials where you randomly rotate. We've got a random team generator and screens all over the place. And you randomly rotate and play with people at your same level. So our programming is really focused around just you know, letting, making sure that you enjoy it. Our, our tagline is fun and fitness, right? How to have fun and fitness. And that's really what it's all about. So we really promote to all levels of play from people never playing. We have a lot of programming to bring them up to speed. And we have a lot of our advanced players that want to play, you know, a tough game. So we've got everything in between. And again, it's really just focused on making sure the community is out there. And uh, some of the friendships that have been just formed from this have been really just a joy to watch. It's so much fun. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, I, I think it's great that you and your partners have sort of come together or in this serendipitous manner um, and put together the, a really big racket. <laughs> and it so, has. I, I love being funny, um, and I'm probably the only one that appreciates it. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing the information. Um, if any of you are interested in membership, learning how to play, checking out the Mercer Bucks Football Club and giving it a try, or think it may be something fun for a corporate team building event, or you want to go attend the tournament that's happening, go to, and it's on the bottom of your screen, www.playmbpc.com. Thank you again, Becky. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having us. And um, thank you so much. And we hope everyone gets in and enjoys the sport of pickleball. Thanks so you much. Absolutely will. Sue, we'll be right back to close out the show. Keep living your dreams, ladies. 
On behalf of Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and our newest Watch Team contributor, here's some information you may need to know about women in science. Genetics was just in its infancy. The human genome was sequenced in 2003. And it started to occur to me, I was in a major center where they did a lot of energetic studies on tissues and on people's samples, that there had to be a genetic cause. And to me, that became a life calling. What is causing all of these people's energy to stop being made? And that was the big question. And that's what I've been working on ever since. Now, the women to watch, military watch. On watch. 24-7. That's the United States Navy. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. Our nation's Navy is ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's also celebrating its 247th birthday this Thursday, October 13th. This theme showcases the Navy's readiness and capabilities and the never-ending commitment of our thousands of sailors at sea. Our Navy dates back to 1775 when the Continental Congress passed a resolution to form the Continental Navy, which consisted of only two vessels. The original intent of these vessels was to disrupt British supply lines. Now, 246 years later, the Navy has over 430,000 active duty and reserve sailors and over 400 ships. In addition to naval forces, the U.S. Marine Corps falls under the administration of the Department of Navy, and its maritime partner, the U.S. Coast Guard, can also fall under the Navy, making the U.S. Navy one mighty force. From delivering troops to the battlefield, to securing trade routes, to rendering aid to areas ravaged by national disasters, the U.S. Navy is our country's global sentinel, operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So I wish every Navy veteran, our current sailors, and our Navy family members a happy 247th birthday. Please join me. Hi, and welcome back. That's it for another week of Women to Watch. Uh, great show. Big thank you, as always, to Tone, our producer, to Sherry Morrison for her Lifestyle Watch segment every week, and to our watch team, um, our full watch team and sponsors for helping us to bring you the show, and also to 6ABC for hosting. Next week, I'll be joined by Renee Heath. And Renee is a pitch coach and sales coach at Accenture. Um, and she's also the inventor of Banana Loca, which is this really cool kitchen gadget that was, um, I won't say discovered, but really took off after her um, appearance on Shark Tank. So she'll be talking about working corporate and then turning into an entrepreneur. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Ah, uh, spring. 
Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.